This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists. For more about UBCP Actra, visit ubcp.com. That's ubcp.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. This episode contains discussion about sexual violence and rape. Listener discretion is advised. If you are a victim of sexual assault or know someone who needs help, please check the episode notes for resources. You are not alone. Welcome to the YBR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T capital W. I'm Sabrina Firminger, and today I am honored to welcome April Tellick to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, we! <laughs> I, okay, so now's my thesis statement. You ready? Okay, yeah. Okay. I love watching April Tellick on screen. I have for years. She shines in comedic and dramatic roles like no one else. I loved her as Constance Fogg on CBC's women-driven Western series, Strange Empire, which was, as far as I'm concerned, way ahead of its time and canceled way too soon. Yep. And I loved her as Nell in Hell on Wheels. I lost my mind for her as the authoritarian artistic director of Sashay Dance Academy in Gary Hawes' hilarious leap for your life. And she broke my heart as a sex worker in Rachel Talalay's Brilliant on the Farm, which was inspired by the dozens of women who died at the hands of a serial killer on Vancouver's downtown east side. She's also appeared in Supernatural and Rogue and so many other wonderful projects filmed in Vancouver. April makes me feel big feelings, whatever the genre, whatever the role. It's like she has a direct line to the heart of every character she takes on. I've thought this for years. But it's only recently, when she came forward in media interviews as a victim of accused rapist Peter Nygaard, that I've seen her for the courageous woman she clearly and truly is. Someone who has pursued her art despite the trauma she experienced so early on. Someone who is now using her voice and her own story to help others. The story is currently being told in Evil by Design, a CBC podcast about the more than 80 women from around the world who have accused a disgraced fashion designer of rape, sexual assault, and human trafficking, as well as in the Discovery Plus series, Unseemly, the investigation of Peter Nygaard. Now when I picture April, I see her as Wonder Woman stepping into no man's land. She's a remarkable artist and a fighter, and today we're going to get to know this artist and fighter a little bit better. April Talek, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you, you make me cry. Thank I'm you. I'm make you cry. I want your to celebrate words are you. so sweet. Well, they're all true. They're all true. I'm glad you're drinking this early. 
<laughs> You're not. <laughs> just drinking water. It's not that kind of podcast. We've done that podcast. Uh, we've done that I've podcast heard it. I've heard where it. we, yeah, I, where we it. I was jealous. And I was stuff. like, oh, I want a mimosa. Stop being jealous. I honestly, if I had known how much you wanted to come on, I would have invited you so much sooner. Oh. I am such a fan. Oh, you're so sweet. Um, so if you've been listening to the podcast, and I know that you are, yeah. you know that I've been starting the bulk of my interviews during the pandemic with what used to be just a rhetorical device and is now this massive question. Yeah. April, how are you? Well, every day that's a little different. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. 2020 was so hard for so many people. Yeah. In so many ways. But uh, it was one of my best years of my life. Oh, wow. I know. I love to hear that. It's so crazy. And it seems I'm almost embarrassed to say it, honest to God, because I feel like um, so many people suffered in so many ways. But I, to have this man who, um, to finally come forward with something that has lived within me, um, not silently, but shoved down. Yeah. To finally come forward with that in a very public, open way, to see him being held accountable, really for the first time where it actually seems like it'll stick, because hmm. <laughs> not the first time, yeah, but uh, it feels like it might stick. Um, those are hugely freeing things. I mean, can you imagine? This is almost thirty years of my life. Yeah, to I have can't imagine it, it, to to have the the release of that or the the um um letting a lot of that go that's massive that took a lot of weight off of my shoulders off yeah. of my conscience off of me um and work-wise when in a year where you know we only had eight months of work period i worked right up until march 16th we went to camera day one on monday march 16th Day Wait, one. Wait, the very last the very day. very last day. Day one on the very last day? Day one on the last day. Ah! I know. By, by before lunch, we weren't sure we were going to finish our day. Like, and then we had to wrap by 7.30 and we did. But we shot that whole day till 7.30 p.m. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I finished. That's gutsy. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> First time female director, it was Ashley Williams. And it was oh. a Lifetime movie and, and a true story. And it was, everybody was so excited. But it was the right thing, of course. We didn't even have a choice. But yeah. we shut down March 16th. And then we went back the first day of filming that was open. The The production was open in, in July, I think it was. Yeah, it sounds about right. And I have worked, I worked, I worked the whole year. I worked almost eight months straight. Well, you deserve it. Well, thanks. It and was so do I, because I get to see you on screen more, which is fantastic. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> um, so your survivor story is out there as part of the Remarkable Media projects yes. that I have mentioned. And I recommend people go watch them, listen to them. I will include links to everything in the footnotes for this. Thanks. Um, today, though, I mean, I really want to celebrate your courage in coming forward and speaking your truth. Um, and also, you know, you, I mean, you're one of us. You're part of this film and TV community here in BC, right? Yeah. So to talk about it within the context of that. Um, I'm curious about, though, what inspired you to finally sh to share your story? You know, what was it about 
last year and you know because i i understand there's been a lot of you know movement i know that what what he brought charges against the cbc fifth estate you know back in 2010 right yeah. you know yeah. so but what 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 was it about you know that you know last year and that moment in time and history you know it actually it it started in uh 2017 with the me too movement yeah. and you know i've i have always talked about this to people to 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 women, to friends, to costumers, you know, when you have a costume fitting and they, they set it up and they send you an email and they ask you your sizes, your measurements, likes, dislikes. I always put no Nygaard lines. And then that was the extent of it. And then in the costume fitting, they'd always go, so, so why is it? And I'd tell them. So I talked about this my whole life, but I, I never went public. I never felt safe enough. Yeah. Um, Far from it. And so uh, in 2017, God bless Rose McGowan and going forward with all that and, you know, and then bringing down that monster um, and giving women the opportunity to feel safe enough to tell their truths. Uh, It was a UBCP town hall meeting, Mm. a women's town hall meeting, and people were given the opportunity to pick up the microphone and tell their truth or warn our sisters. Um, And it was the second night that I finally felt, okay, I can do this. And so I did. And I got up and I, I can't honestly remember if I went into full detail, but I I think I gave a pretty explicit um, version of, of what happened um, to me. And, uh, I went home and I had never told my husband, Jamie, everything. He knew, but he didn't know everything. Yeah. And I started to tell him and I could see he was visibly um, unwell, not because I have to clarify, it's not because he couldn't handle what I was telling him. What we didn't know was just a couple days later, we found out that he was in this incredibly dire medical condition that none of us knew about at the time. That was happening at the same That's time. That's when that happened. Oh, so April. <laughs> right? Oh, so I so we find out and, and my husband ended up being admitted into the hospital in a very grave state and they didn't know if he was going to make it. He made it. He, he made it. He made it. He made it. He made it. Thank God he made it. And he's so perfect. <laughs> he was perfect then. Just a little sick. And now he is he is all healed and he's better. But yeah. um it was a very scary time. So it was actually right then that I was going to go forward with this. But then of course my husband's yeah. well being and health took priority. So that got shelved. And then in February 2017, um, I got a Facebook message from the constable who was actually um, part of the case when I made the initial complaint once I returned to Vancouver from Winnipeg. Um, And he had a link to this class action lawsuit brought forward. And when I read that the victims were so young, I thought, oh, my God. Yeah, 15. 14 14, and 15. I felt sick and then I I um and I still feel sick because I feel guilt that I should have come forward sooner and none of them would have been 
his victims, but I can't. I you can't, can't live in do that. that. I can't do that. Yeah. And nobody had the strength. Nobody. Ha- nobody would have won this. Nobody. We never would have gotten this far before now. The only person who should be feeling any guilt is the accused rapist. No, and yeah. his and oh, his and enablers. The enablers. Yeah, but no, nobody There's who experienced violence. No, you know, should no. be feeling any guilt. No, you're right. Yeah. but you can't help it. I know. I that's that's why I spend most of my time talking to my therapist about is shame and guilt. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to go back to that time though in uh, October. 2017 was it? When was the Me Too movement? When did that mo- movement be- moment I think that was 2017. That was I yeah. think it was October 2017. Our town hall meeting was like the November, end of was, November. Yeah. 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 Um you know, I I think that 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 moment in time and I'm going to put a link uh, in the footnotes to an article that I wrote for the West Ender which featured the voices of five women who work in the film industry sharing their their stories of violence and harassment. Um oh, I'd love to read you that. You know, it was a cover story for the West Ender. Okay. Um and it looked at I I I mean I'll tell I'll tell you and I'll tell the listeners a bit of the backstory for that article. Um there was, you know, all of the talk kind of in the zeitgeist about uh, about Harvey Weinstein and about, you know, and what what Rose McGowan and others were reporting, and um, and then I remember, like, I did articles in two days um, with uh, Chela Horstall and Jackie Gould and uh, Sarah Deacons, Enid Ray Adams, and Lisa Oviez, yes. and um, those that was over, you know, just like two days, and then I spent. The weekend, so it was Thursday, Friday, and then I spent the weekend transcribing and writing, and really, and then on the Sunday night was when Alyssa Milano started the. You know, she had uh, she was encouraging everybody to use the Me Too hashtag, nothing yes. else, just the Me Too hashtag yes. if you'd experience it, and then just er- on every social media outlet, every single woman that I knew was using Me Too, Me Too, Me yep. Too, and um, I think what was so shocking for me about uh, that shocking but freeing but devastating and all these things was when that hashtag started to just be everywhere. And then my article came out and then I heard from nearly 200 women, some men, almost entirely women though, um, about the the violence that they'd experienced in this, in the industry and the sexual violence that they'd experienced. I, I was so sick and I did not realize how widespread it was, um, isn't it disturbing? It was so. It was so disturbing. I think for like I, because I guess I'd always seen. I only ever see people on their best behavior, right? Especially as the journalist, of course. You know, I of only course. ever see. And I was hearing because some people we we weren't able to. I mean, you know how the the whole you know the libel in, and all this stuff works and the legal threats. We didn't print names in that article because you right. know we didn't want like we just did not have the. There were no criminal charges. We right. didn't. There was no court filing. We were small paper. We didn't. You know, my editor didn't want to deal with that. Um, and the you know and the hassle that would have the headache and the legal fees whatever of that but I was hearing names I was hearing names of of men the same names over and over again yeah. and they were men that I that I had written about you know they were men that I had that I had you know sat down with and done these interviews with yeah. and to know that one I was like you know part complicit in like sharing you know like you know celebrating them and sharing their story and to know that people were reading my articles that featured these people 
and and that they they were be that you know so, that they were being hurt in some way you know by seeing I just I I fell out of love with the industry I had to come back to it you know but I did I I took a few weeks off and I was like because the industry didn't look the same to me no anymore I, I know I I can imagine how that must feel but but. Do not confuse that with you being complicit. Well, I that, think it's more just the complicity in in rape culture. I understand you know? what you're saying, yeah. but there is um, you were celebrating them on a different level, and there's there's I, I I it's a very hard thing. It's a that's a hard thing to do. I mean, there's no redeeming qualities about that effort, Peter Nygaard. Yeah, nothing. So don't write a damn nice thing about that pig. Yeah, but some of these actors, um, and and listen, I mean, oh God. My sister survivors are going to kill me for this one, but I, I honestly, I stood up at that town hall meeting and grabbed the mic at one point and said, this is not a place for third hand stories. Mm, mm -hmm. This is not a place to be telling rumors because you could be ruining people's lives. I got in trouble for doing that. Yeah. Because it was like, no, this is where we, we as women need to feel safe to speak our truths and our voices and I said speak your truth but you can't speak the truth for your roommate yeah based on what she told you about a guy that you went out that he she went out with who might have gotten handsy on a date there's a different story and that night at that town hall meeting I had to really check in with myself because I was having such mixed feelings because I I'm hearing these names of these friends these colleagues these esteemed colleagues of mine mm -hmm. people who I've put on pedestals because of their skills as an actor their abilities as artists and um and just who they were as men yeah and then you hear these stories some of them were awful yeah and really really hurt to hear but then there was also a lot of talk that was third hand yeah. and a lot of rumors and it, it affected a lot of men adversely. It really did, it did bruise a lot of men's careers in this town temporarily yeah. um, when it was a guy who got handsy on a date or he got drunk and they, you know, he, his hand went up her skirt and she was like, no, and he, then left, but he did put his hand up her skirt before he left. You know, do you know what I mean? Do you I, know what I, I'm saying? I see the distinction in what you're saying. There's a big sure. difference. Yeah. And and it's not because I am saying that these women don't have the rights to have to have been affected or hurt or bruised or traumatized by these events. Because I as a survivor I've not just once <sighs> like Peter Nigar was not the first one. Yeah. Who did this to me his is different but you know um uh but i still also do realize rumors and stories yeah. can spin and and snowball and ruin people's lives i think what was really and i i recognizing a lot of oh gosh this has really taken me back to that those couple of weeks there um but i feel like part of it was we don't know how to t we didn't know then especially how to talk about these no. things how to communicate about no. these things and you know it was but it, that was also one of the the most incredible 
things was I never even thought we would get to a place in our society where we're sharing these kind of stories and we're doing that. So it's incredible, yeah. isn't it? It's a big it was a big learning curve for it sure. Absolutely was. Huge. You know? And I, I but don't we're here. Yeah. We are here. Yeah. And we're doing it. And like our voices are being heard and we're learning, still learning. I still don't know how to talk about it fully. Yeah. And I've talked about it for my whole life. Yeah. But um yeah, but we're actually being heard. Yeah. And that's the big difference. Have you uh, and I'm I'm, not, I'm it's amazing how just even this conversation is like is bringing me back to that time but was there anything about what you were hearing about the the people in the film industry or you know how how things were that was surprising to you uh, at all or were you learning anything new or was it just confirming what you suspected? Was that this is like a society-wide no, problem? No, you know what? Really, yeah. it, it was, uh, it is a society-wide problem. Yeah. It really is. But it was also, um, I think the thing that shocked me most was how it was like these people in teacher positions in roles of where you're in such an intimate connection with a vulnerable human. Yeah. What kind of monster do you have to be to take advantage of that? Like, I, it floored me. And some of these people were like colleagues, people played my husband in a show, you know, like, and, yeah. and it wasn't one story or two stories or five. Like, that disturbed me. Yeah. Like, really hurt me. And it made me, I think, like, you sort of, second guess who you like how did you not see that yeah yeah i i think i had to and and then i was like what role do i want to play in like do i want to even be in this industry anymore and then i realized though oh and i have a daughter who's in yeah, the industry you have a daughter yeah who's in the industry yeah like come on well and that's it's people like your daughter and like you and like and you know it was for the pe the people who would who stood up that night and sh shared their stories and people entering the industry which is why I, no those are the people who I, that's who I want to be here for right I'm not going to walk away I'm not going to fall out of love no you know with the BC film industry and just you know go cover I don't know <laughs> I, I was actually just thinking of, well, I was just thinking though, I've all, because I was a freelance writer before uh, before I was a publicist, and then after I was a publicist, then I got into this. But I was, when I was a freelance writer, I wrote for, I wrote for like um, Painton Wallpaper Contractor Magazine. Come on. I wrote for Sound and Video Contractor, Nail Pro Magazine. <laughs> this is like in my early 20s. But like, I I mean, I could, I could. You can write about anything. I could write, I could cover anything. I mean, this is the only community that I'm very passionate about and that I, I love my soul. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was to be to I, I'm not there for the people who do harm unto others I'm there for no, of course you know to, to be there for the people who you know are sticking it out and yeah. who, and you want to be and I want to be part of change so and God bless you for doing that God you are you part too. of that change woman well, you are you are absolutely um I, I'm curious about uh how speaking out has has changed you and how our community has responded to it you know was there anything in the in the response that surprised you or anything in how you've reacted since you've you've been speaking publicly and sharing your story publicly you know that's that's really, um, like just open your eyes i i it, nobody like i mean i have many 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 friends in the in the industry who have reached out certainly um yeah. and you know 
said, you know, you're strong and, and you know, applauded me for for taking this on because it's a lot to take on. Um, to put your name and your face to something like this, it, it's, it's a lot. Um, I chose it. I was telling you earlier that it, it was so important for me to put a name and a face behind the Jane Doe's because it it humanizes the experience, yeah. Which then other people will f- perhaps feel compelled to come forward with their truths. Um, what has shocked me the most is and hurt me probably the most is how many women have also been victimized in very similar ways. So many of my peers. What has been really great is that many of those women have said that they also didn't know that there was no statute of limitations on sex crimes in Canada Hmm. and that they now felt like they could come forward and tell their truths to the authorities and perhaps finally get criminal charges laid upon their rapists. That's huge. That is massive. It's massive. And there are people you know, people who confided in me and told me their truths that they had never shared with anybody. And that, you know, there's so much strength in numbers. And I think um, if if I did this for anything, any other reason, like if, if the only thing that comes of it is that my daughter never has to go through something like this and that those women finally get a sense of relief or a sense of release by mm-hmm. telling their truths, then that's that's enough. Yeah. You're a remarkable human being. Oh, shush, I am it. so not. You really are. You really are. I really am not. But okay, I want you. you to record here. For saying that. You are a remarkable human being. And then I want you to like make that your ringtone or something. <laughs> I'm just in awe of your, of your courage, you know? It, it speaks so much to to who you are <laughs> you know I just I'm, I'm sweet. curious so and we're gonna we're gonna get into talking I want to talk about how you got into this uh into acting and to modeling and, and into all the roles and stuff but I, I do want to ask you one more thing about um about working in this industry after the trauma that you experienced at the hands of that rapist you know how how do you think it it informed or impacted you know, h- how you have navigated your way through this business, you know, or or even your work, like, you know, because I know that so much, I think about, you know, Nell and Constance and Roxy, where there is so much vulnerability and, oh. and pain and stuff, you know, like, and Lana and trust, right? Or, or Jana in yeah, Amazon Jana, Falls, yeah. right? And yeah, who was based on Lana Clarkson. Yeah. Um, Gotta tell you, I was trying to find that film yesterday because I wanted to watch it. You should watch it. Yeah, I couldn't find it. So it's I'm on ga- Amazon. I tried to access it. <laughs> it said it wasn't okay. available in my geographic location. Well, Phil location. Spector just died in prison who killed Lana Clarkson. So, so amen to that one. Let's yeah. just hope the same fate for, well, I hope he lives forever in prison. And suffers and yeah. suffers and suffers. Um, yeah. um, yeah, so that's so you you played you know a, yeah. a victim of homicide. I've played lots yeah. of victims, uh, like uh, yeah, a where lot. there's a lot of vulnerability required yeah. and, and yeah. stuff. Like you know how, like how do you be vulnerable while also protecting yourself and while also you know, I 
carrying that trauma. Like I just, that's why I'm so amazed by you. Oh, you're so sweet. Listen, um, I remember years and years ago I did my, well, the first episode of Millennium I did. It was the pilot for the for Millennium. Oh my God. And I played a stripper, like a private, private room stripper. Oh. David Nutter was the exec, or it was the, one of the executive producers, but he was directing the pilot, and Greg Middleton was the DP. Like, it was just, and Chris Carter, it was something big. And I wow. was in my underwear, oh. bra and panties, through the whole thing, and I, my character, spoilers, it doesn't matter, it's like 25 years ago. <laughs> you've had time to watch yeah, it. Yeah, you've had time to watch it, get over it. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, like I've got pictures of Jim Thorburn her- holding my head in a bag with words carved into my head. Like I played these characters for so much of my early career. Yeah. Um, and then I, three years later, I did another episode of Millennium and like to the week, three years later. Um, and that one I got drowned and sodomized and killed. And like, I mean, these victims, right? And I will remember, I, I do remember coming home and my boyfriend at the time was there and he was like, you can't, this is not doing well for you, April. Like you keep playing these parts and they keep injuring you over and over and over again. Yeah. And that was the first time that I heard that because I was I got so into each of those and I wanted to do so well and I wanted to be so committed to these characters that I was playing that I allowed myself to go into those really, really ugly, deep, dark spaces. What I thought I was doing was something that was cathartic, but I didn't have the skills. I hadn't had the therapy to help me. I didn't have the tools that I needed to be able to do that properly. So yeah, it did have a damaging effect on me, like those... Um, taking those roles and accepting those roles at the beginning of my sort of success, at, at, you know, when I was in my my early twenties and and mid twenties, um, it, it it probably did do a little bit more damage than it did um, help. Yeah. But over the years, um, I have gotten to play. I have taken that and playing those characters of vulnerability or. Tr- Especially like my, when I get to play a, a real human, like a, like, no, not a real human, but when I get to play a character based on a real person, um, oh, the stakes are so high. Yeah. But my level of commitment is, is just as high. And I, um, feel an immense amount of pressure to honor them especially if they're past like especially if i'm if i'm depicting their life yeah um and so i don't know a lot of these characters they had pretty tragic lives and to be able to nobody can can ever be entirely in somebody else's shoes but to be able to sort of wear one of them yeah um i feel honored to have had those opportunities. And I think that that has helped me through my journey. And I think that that part of what happened to me helped me honor these people properly. We are going to take a very brief break. In the current COVID-19 environment, 
UBCP ACTRA, the BC Performers Union in the film and TV industry, has been working closely with industry partners, formulating sensible and practical guidelines for all cast and crew to ensure working on set is manageable and safe for everyone. UBCP ACTRA has created a dedicated COVID-19 webpage at www.ubcpactra.ca where members can find mental health resources, financial assistance information, and back-to-work strategies and updates about the current status of film production in the province of British Columbia. UBCP ACTRA knows this has been an extraordinarily difficult time for many people, and we look forward to better days ahead. We will get through this together. Please visit www.ubcpactra.ca. A message from UBCP ACTRA. And, and what kind of kid were you, you know? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, oh! <laughs> my mom thought I was the bad seed. Like, like, for real. Like... <laughs> Sorry, no one can see my face. I actually kind of recoiled a little bit. No, like for real. My mom thought I was the bad seed. I was um like I was that kid who would skip along the street. La 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 and then kick the butt of the old lady who was doing her gardening and her back was turned. <laughs> oh no, I was an a-hole. Why? As a kid. I don't know. I was a, like, I don't know. But I was. I was a terrible child. You're like the kid from a horror movie. Oh, no. She thought I was the bad seed. Oh, no. Oh, no. And she used to sing this song to me because I'd cry because nobody wanted to play with me. And I, she'd go, no. I mean, it's kind of awful <laughs> to think that my mother did this. She's still alive, so I should not be talking like this about her. <laughs> but she was like, nobody likes you. Everybody hates I mean, I had that sung at me by... I know, to eat some worms. I was like, Oh my God, Bully sang that song to me. Right? Did you sing it to other kids then? Yeah. I mean, my mom, yeah. (laughs) No, my mom would sing it to me, ironically. Like, she'd sing it, yeah. I was terrible. I was a really bad kid. Um, But, like, not in crime and stuff. I was just mean. I told my sister she was adopted all the time, which is, there's no shame or nothing bad about being adopted, but you know, when you're... Was she adopted? No. <laughs> That's cold. But you know what? My my oldest brother, who has since passed, but my oldest brother used to, uh, when he babysit us, when my pa- parents would go out, he would like shut the breaker down in the house and cover himself in ketchup and stick a knife in his shirt. So like, I mean, come on, it was a little crazy. Wow, I gotta say that I've done 144 of these episodes. <laughs> I, this is a, this is the first time I'm getting this kind of answer. And well, it's uh, true. I love it, I love it. But I was a flawless teenager. Okay. So there was, you know, I wonder if there was, there was something like, Hormonal, like reverse hormonal going on. Probably. You know, that all of the mood stuff that comes out when you're a teenager, you're already sorted by the, you know, by the time like you were. Because I was a really good teen. Yeah. My sister, not so much. Like we were the opposite. My yeah. sister never cried as a baby. She was a perfect child. And then, well. And, and then your mom was like, <laughs> yay, April's finally like, oh, she's Normal-ish. so lovely. And then all of a sudden your sister's like, you never told me I was adopted. That's wow. right. <laughs> Full on. <laughs> That's so funny. So 
either when you were horrible or when you were a young yeah. teenager. Like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I always wanted to be an actor, but I never, I never wanted to be famous. Hmm. Um, and I was, I, I guess it's because I sort of grew up in the world that I grew up in, where my my aunt was sort of famous ish and she, but she had circles that were that her, that her circle was famous like she knew Bob Hope and my dad worked for San, Frank Sinatra and like like this so this was kind of the the world that um that I had grown up learning about you knew about fame I knew about fame yeah and there's a price that comes with it a big one and so to me that was never really anything I wanted and um you know I've said that because of of what happened to me with Nygaard, I think I lived a smaller life. And that's that's true. Um, because I think I was already aware of the price of fame and then adding that uh, to it, it made me feel like I, if, if I had become at all famous, I, there would be a beacon, like there'd be a light that shone on me that would then draw attention to me that would then cause me more issues mm. um, or I'd be in a more vulnerable position. So I, I never had any interest in fame, but I did always want to be an actor. Yeah. Always, always, always. I wanted to be a model and an actor, but like, honestly, I was never a good model. I was never really a good actor either until I was like probably 30. And then I started to become a good actor. Um but uh, what do you mean by that? Like, what, what what is the difference between like when you consider yourself not a good actor and when you became a good actor? Like, was it was it because you you were you were studying or working on your craft or you felt more confident? Um. Yeah, that's an interesting question, actually. Um, I think that I like to have at least one. I mean, one interesting question. You know, <sighs> hopefully, was that the one? Was that the interesting? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, yeah. That was probably the third or fourth. Um, maybe. Um, I, love, what, what I was... love how you're giving me a hard time. <laughs> it's my favorite thing about this whole day. Um, the, I, I, I think that, uh, well, I mean, there are a couple of things. Um, I have always been very pragmatic. Um, mm. And I've, I, I knew early on in my career that I was smart and that I had a good business sense and I was business savvy, but I didn't know that I was terribly talented but I was smart enough to make people think I was I was smart enough to look at something pragmatically and go okay so what does the what was the writer thinking when they wrote this so then what is the director dissecting from that writing that they want to see what are they looking for and I was smart enough to come up with that huh does that I mean, I find that it's interesting how you had that. That's how I looking thought. Looking for the formula. It was very in your analytical. Mind. It was extremely. But you have, but you also, there's the, I'm going to argue this though, because you have a spark though. I mean, it's, you have a talent that you can't just. But I don't think I really, I don't, I really, I think that actually my husband, so that would have been when I was like 34, 35. That's when I started to think that I actually had talent. And mm -hmm. that was, I think, a spark that came from him. And maybe it was his belief in me. I was going to say, it sounds like um, 
that's when you started to believe in yourself, in the, but in like, the talent but part of it. Sabrina, just to just to be crystal clear, I have had support. Like my, you know, I've my family has always been very encouraging and said, "Oh, you're this and that." Yeah, I never bought it. So I there is something about his belief that. Yeah, I guess. Huh. I think because it's he, he's the smartest effer I know. Like he is the, he is so smart. Like it's intimidating how smart he is. Mm. But for the first time in my life, I started to actually believe in my skills mm. once I was with him. Um, but I think that they actually had developed by then. I didn't have them before, honest to God. Like, I mean, I can look back at stuff and go, oh, I don't like to watch myself, but I, I can go, oh, well, that, that, yeah, okay, that was good. Oh, okay. But I think I was just pragmatic. I yeah. knew what, I needed to do to give what they looked for, but I was never brilliant. Huh. For real. No, I, I, I know you probably don't hear that from a lot of actors. No, and, and honestly, like everybody, I was amazing. No, people always say that they're that they're amazing, but I just, I mean, you're really, yeah, you're. I've. Do you feel like I'm stunned? I'm stunned Why? into like, oh, just because um, I'm not here. I haven't heard what you're saying very often, and I. I like it. Like, I find it very refreshing. And it's also oh, challenging nice. a lot of the uh, preconceived ideas that I had about, you know, what, what an actor's journey looks looks like. And that's also the gift of these conversations is that, you know, every every experience is unique. And some of them are incredibly <laughs> unique. And I'm, I'm, I was also thinking about the 30s, you know. Um, well, I'd had a child. Yeah. Like it's I such was, an important decade, right? Like huge. 20s is a lot about just survival and and the cruelty of the world, right? Yeah. You know, in, in so many different ways. And the 30s is like, you know, when you can like ownership. really start to be like, yeah, ownership. Ownership. You know, and then 40s is like, I'm, I'm in my 40s now and I'm like, I didn't know it was going to feel this good and this, and I could feel this powerful, you know, and then I'm looking at like, you know, my, my best friends who are in their 50s and like, you're the coolest women, right? You know, so that's what I'm like. Oh, I know. Towards. People, but like, I have I have friends who are like, oh my god, I'm turning fifty, and I'm like, a, I can't wait. Yeah. It's soon. It's soon. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. But the, but the fact that you had that 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 you know you you were able to see your your what would, what did you say that he you he made you. He believed in you, and so you were able to be like, okay, now I think I'm actually good at this. Yeah, I guess. Um, it's like, I just... But it happened in your 30s, you know? Yeah. You're like, that's a such an incredible decade. Um, I'm, I'm curious about what... Like, let's take that as, as a, like, a watershed time then. What did you, what have you wanted then since that moment, you know, since... Oh, since then, yeah. since I like since I realized that I might have some yeah. What talent. do you What do you want from What have you wanted from your career? You know, and what do you want now? And how's it changed, if at all? Um. You know, uh, I have, I've been really blessed. Like I have been really, really blessed. I um. You know. I went through IVF. So I had my first daughter. Uh, I had my daughter, um, um, and easily popped out. You know, that was the whole deal. I was on my own. Like after I, I, her dad and I uh, broke up when she was just an embryo, mm. um, and so it was me and my my baby for the first uh, almost two years of her life, and then um, 
and then Jamie and I got together and we, I was older, of course, and then there were struggles to have a baby. And so, and we, I wanted to have a biological family with him. And so I went through the IVF pro, pro, uh, process and I gained a lot of weight. I got very, very sick. Like I got mm. very sick. Um, hyper, um, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. I like, I almost died. I was like, I had to see a reproductive <sighs> psychiatrist at one point because I was so hormonally imbalanced. I had an excess of eggs, but then there was ish, like other, all of this stuff. So long and short, I gained tons and tons and tons of weight. Being a heavy woman for a very long time gave me the most interesting, fascinating roles to play. Huh. So would... would character-driven roles Nell instead of... from Hell on Wheels, yep. then, that would have been yep. in that time, and Constance. And Constance. Yeah. And... Um, would Rogue have been in there? Yep. Oh, God, Rogue, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Rogue, do you know that I auditioned for, like, a possible recurring three lines? Really? And I got three seasons. Yeah, you did. I, wow. Yeah. I was the only one who carried on from that second season to the very end finale with Cole Hauser. It was just Cole and I were the only two that carried all the We way. need to talk about... <laughs> <laughs> We need to talk about Yellowstone just for oh. just for a minute. Um, Cole Hauser plays uh, Rip Wheeler, uh, uh, Beth Dutton's uh, one oh. true love, um, and it's he's just so. First of all, everybody needs to watch a show. Second of all, listen listen to my interview with John and Emma Tracy talking about the experience of working on on uh, Yellowstone. Third of all, I did not think that uh, really hyper-masculine, what I saw from the outside as like a hyper-masculine show about cowboys would be for me. I think that's why I loved um, uh, Strange Empire and Hell on Wheels right. because the powerful women. Okay, I was wrong. This show is completely for me because it's it's character-driven and it's, it's about, it's Shakespearean and that it's about an empire and the acting and the writing are just so, on so, point. Like they are perfect. so good. And Cole Hauser, his character on the surface, I would have to think that he's like, if I, you just told me this guy's killed so many people and blah, 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 I would be like, <gasps> like he's not my, I, I care most about his happiness, Rip right? Wheeler's happiness, most of all, because he's like, the, he's like the heart and soul but he's of the heart Ranch. and soul of everything he does yeah really tell me about working with Cole uh, Cole Hauser is next to John Emmett Tracy one of my very 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 favorite co-stars hmm. like I love working with Cole he and I will um, riff like we will just go off there's very very rarely do scripts actually get kept to the page um much to the chagrin of some writers <laughs> um and and when we film the um directors very often go just back off everybody there's like camera we're this is a loose blocking this is just let them go you follow them this is their world when he and i got those scenes together and we did it was so amazing because it was like every i mean really i i worked with very few other people in that series yeah but Cole and I, um, we had some really incredible moments. I adore him as a human, as a father, as a husband to his beautiful wife. Um, he's just, he's a, he's an exceptional human being. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, okay, can I tell you a little story? This is a podcast. We're nothing if not stories. <laughs> okay. Well, but, okay. But my stories are never short. Um, uh, so, 
I was kind of, uh, we, we Airbnb at our house a lot. And um, <laughs> I, I, okay, so it ties into John and Tracy, actually. This is fascinating. Okay. Because, well, to me. <laughs> does not mean to you to any of these listeners or to sabrina but to april <laughs> and Britellic, it is very fascinating um so uh i was doing a movie with john emma tracy um it was uh did he play a bad guy in bella it? chow bella chow oh, bella chow bella chow oh okay and so i played the professor and he played the can man which was like a street yeah fellow right it's a wonderful film it is a wonderful i don't know film. where people can watch it right now i, I think it's still doing the festival circuit some in some places but yeah it takes place on um on vancouver's beautiful like commercial drive. drive area and you see you know the overlap of the different cultures you know that that live there and are interwoven and yeah. coexist it's it's a great film um, anyway pardon us so sorry <laughs> so so he, so there was a scene where he and i have to we tango dance so he and i were working learning how to tango dance with these incredible instructors and he and i john emmett tracy and i learned the romance of the tango and we we studied this for weeks and then one week before we went to camera, I broke my leg. On the night of the Leo Awards that year. You broke your leg on the night of the Leos? Yeah, I was just get, I was getting ready to go. I was working with, I had been working with Jackie Lind and I had been acting a lot. And there were three nominations, not, not for me. Jackie, I think Jackie was nominated for three nominations. Anyway, I was, we were going to the Leo Awards that night and I had just finished spraying my hair last second before I left the house. No. And I turned and my foot slipped and no. I came to after passing out and one foot was forward and one foot was backward. No. Oh yeah. And then. <laughs> oh, I had no idea that there were, that people got really injured in their bodies going oh, out the door to the Leos. TMI, my foot was backward. I flipped it forward, passed out again. And then uh, two surgeries later, um, uh, I had this, you know, I, I've got 12 inch plate in my leg and all these pins and screws. Holy cow. And oh yeah. But but here's funny, fun fact. <laughs> That's so, not a fun fact at all. <laughs> so, so, but, oh, the but tango. The tango. So now we've studied this tango. We've learned it. And that's a hard thing to learn. We really worked hard. And now I can't do the movie. And they said, no, we'll just change it. I was like, oh my God, uh, okay. So they positioned it so that like, it looks like I get up and go to Tango with John, but instead, you know, they cut to something else. So fine. Um, but then I get this Twitter message from the showrunner of Rogue, who says, uh, hey, um, I guess I should have maybe checked your availability because we've been writing the next season and uh, you're in the first four episodes and we haven't even checked if you're available. Are you around? <laughs> and I was like, um, yeah. So then I guess it goes through agents and all this kind of stuff. And I assumed all the way along that they knew about my broken leg. Like I had to have two surgeries. So I was in a cast for probably four or five months on my leg. And I'm to go to camera on Rogue. Nobody told the showrunner. Oh my God. Somebody told the PM, but they didn't 
pass it on and long and short um i he sees me and he goes oh broken oh okay well we'll just write it in and they just wrote it in and i got to do the whole season that whole last season but i mean okay so i mean on an indie film it's it's, it's one, one thing, thing but yeah. a tv series i know right wow and then i got nominated for stuff for that season yeah and I spoke to you on the red carpet for that season. Yeah, you and did. And I will put a link to that YouTube clip <laughs> in the footnotes for this episode. We have the longest footnotes ever. This is the longest <laughs> interview you've probably ever given because I just go on all these little tangents. But I wanted to tell it you. It is very long. It's not the longest. I think Peter DeLuise was the absolute longest. And then I had to cut it into two separate uh, oh, two, well, don't cut my minute. Two. But, I'm not going to cut you. No, no. Yeah. I did that with Lauren Cardinal as well. But it was, it was storytellers. <laughs> Total. I love storytelling. Maybe it's just like I'm holding court, perhaps. You are. Yeah, Yeah. sorry. Stop. I am so happy you're here. This is what I want. Honestly, April, it has been so hard for me. I'll take a moment to talk about me. During the pandemic, to not share space with people, to still be working to connect with my guests over Zoom. And we've had some wonderful conversations over Zoom, but to actually be sitting here and to share space, it's just, it's on an energetic level. It is different. It's so different. And so I'm just so... For me too. I think that that's it too. Like, I mean, I so rarely see anybody in person other than my like immediate family. Yeah. So thank you for and having so, me and here. And seeing somebody's lower Mouth. half of their face. I know. I know. <laughs> it's so weird. Yes, it's not one but two layers of plexiglass. Um, sorry, was there a story about your Airbnb? Yeah. <laughs> but see, <laughs> I never get there. My husband tells I everybody. I to be like, what? I, I, I'm an idiot. You're gonna like. I don't know how you're gonna ever chop this together, but like, just maybe just cut me out. Um, put me on the floor. Cut uh, you out of your whole. Episode. Cut me out of my whole episode. Okay. Like, just go April Tellick, and then it's just airspace. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's likely the the, the oh, level of. I'm hurting myself laughing. It's, it's, no, no, but true. Like, like, like people's like attention um, spans is like really limited. Uh, like, t- they won't make it through my no, intro. No, can you at least talk okay, about the Okay, here's the damn story. So, see, I told you it's freaking long story. My husband always says if she says if April says, okay, long story short, he goes, it's way too long already. <laughs> It's true. Do you okay. come from like a long tradition of story storytelling? Oh, yes. right. Yeah. So My mom goes to the damn pharmacy and the in, like the entire event was five minutes. Yeah. It's 35 minutes of telling the story <laughs> because he said and then she said and then he said and then that woman walked in and then it, no. So I'm sorry. Stop apologizing. I'm a, number I was one. Canada. Number I two. Will you will you please? Tell okay, tell Airbnb the damn Airbnb story. story. So we Airbnb at our freaking house, and so now I'm on this series, like 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 the final series, it's season of the series. The season had you know it was season one and two in Vancouver, and then it went to Toronto, and I went to Toronto and did some there, and then it came back to Vancouver. So last final season, and I'm like you know shooting a series regular and with like movie stars, and um, because we had Airbnb at our house for the summer, we're living in a travel trailer in a campground at the Kaplan RV park. Now, 
Right? That's a bold choice. Well, <laughs> but it's a smart choice when you know what, how much money we make. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we claim all of it on taxes, so I can yeah. talk about it publicly. But um, I will Weirdly, say, can I just say? Yeah. I No, I mean, you know, I'm just going to say the listeners, because oh. you know this. But weirdly, my my husband and his friends yeah. like tried to book April's Airbnb last summer, and we didn't realize it until to today. 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 Yeah. Well, That's they, a small world. I mean, yeah. Vancouver's kind of a small town. It's a super small Anyways. town. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. That is so weird. That is so weird. So weird. Well, I also, there was a time. Do you know Matt Hamilton? I got, um, I That's got a, a name I know. So he's an actor in town. He yeah. works a lot. Um, I get a direct message from him once on Instagram, and it was a video of him at a party at my house. <laughs> or Phil Granger. You know Phil Granger? I, I love Phil Granger. I love Phil Granger. His sister came and rented my house for three weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like like yeah, it's kind of funny. Black eyed peas I'm, were there. I'm not, wow. Okay, I'm not going to include a link in the show notes for this house unless April wants me to. Oh no, 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 we're not doing we are not Airbnb it anymore. No, um, but no, will, your home sweet home. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, but, okay. So here's the damn story. Jesus, April. <laughs> long story short. I would say anything else. There's no long. There's no short. The long story. Okay, so I'm now I'm shooting this TV series. I've got a broken leg. I'm on a TV series as a regular, and I'm living in a camper at a campground in North Van. And I'm feeling like, I don't know, because I really don't have an ego, but I'm like, kind of like, oh my God, this is kind of embarrassing. Well, Cole Hauser, God bless his beautiful little heart, he goes, where are you camping? And I go, Capilano RV Park. Oh, I live there. I went, you what? He goes, oh yeah, I live there. I was shooting a movie up here and I was like, I'm going to be there for four months. And I thought, oh, I've always wanted an Airstream. So I bought an Airstream. I drove it up to Canada with my son. It made it a daddy-son road trip. Stayed at the Cap RV park. Was talking to my buddy, Matt. Matt who? Matthew McConaughey, who was also coming to Vancouver to shoot a show. And he goes, that's a great idea, man. So production paid them the equivalent of what they would have paid for their hotels per night. So like, say, $400 a night or whatever for the hotel or their accommodations in Vancouver for the four months period. And it was $45 a night at the campground. And they pocketed the rest and put it towards their their. That is so smart. And so I was like, well, if Matthew McConaughey and Cole Hauser. Matt. (laughs) Matt. If Maddie. If Maddie and Coley can hang out at Kaplan RV Park, then I'm okay too. I am so grateful that you finished that story. Right? Eventually. (laughs) I don't know how you're ever going to cut it together so that it like anybody waits for it. Wow. Do you want me to tell it again? No! Okay. <laughs> you are so never going to be able to edit this episode. I generally don't like to edit the episodes and just kind of, but. But I, you're going to have to. No, you know what I love about this conversation is it's really giving us insight into <laughs> who you are as a human being. And um, you're even more delightful. Uh, you're than I was so expecting. sweet. Okay, see so what? You want to play favorite things? Yeah, let's just cut to the chase. It's all about favorite things. Yeah, of course. Uh, to uh, listeners who are new, favorite things is very complicated. It's, it's when I asked April uh, to tell me her favorite thing of the thing that I'm asking her about. Pretty clear? I made it very complicated. All right. Favorite cartoon character. Oh. Oh. 
I love that sound and that reaction <laughs> to the first one. Well, uh, I think it's the um, uh, the fog uh, uh, I don't know. Are you doing foghorn leg? Yeah, work? yes. <laughs> foghorn leg. I do the. I I end up talking like that. I could see you were starting to transform. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's a great answer and a wonderful representation of yeah. where you were heading. Yeah, I like that. With that, okay. Um, what is your favorite song lyric? Oh God. Um. Uh, what a difference a day makes. Oh. Yeah. What a difference, difference. a day, day makes. Oh, you've got a beautiful voice. I love that song. Yeah. 24 little, little hours. You do too. Yeah. What is your favorite karaoke song? Oh, Killing Me Softly. That's my favorite shut show. Up. That's my favorite. Shut up. No, you shut you up. shut up. I love that. Yeah. And I also love... The Roberta Flack version? Yes. But then some people then, will do the one yeah, time I know. sometimes. And, but then uh, it, it's the Roberta Flack version for me. Um, but then I also... This is so Katash Fromage. Um, the Carpenters. Oh, which one? Well, like I like... Um, um, I'm on the top of the world looking down on creation and the only... <laughs> yes, that's great. We, we, would, we, we would be very simpatico in yeah, a karaoke yeah. room. With Nicole Oliver. She's oh, my, I love She's Nick. my karaoke friend. Oh, I love her. I was in lots yeah. of karaoke videos. Yeah. Wait, what? I was. Like, I played Marilyn Monroe in the Candle in the Wind karaoke video. I should send it to you. I have it. We, my husband and I last year downloaded 144 VHS tapes that I had yeah. and put them on digital files. Wait, you're in a karaoke video? I'm in like 20. Oh my God. That's the coolest fact about you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like 20. Wow. Were those here or were those in Asia? Here? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I just I, I asked about Asia because I think the places I, I the places I go to it's always um, the, doesn't matter what the song it is it's it's like a lot of um, sweeping shots of like the Philippines yes. oh, or, yeah. or uh, South Korea. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. That is. I didn't even. I'm gonna send it to you when I'm I get home. Speechless. I am so excited to watch that. You're the cutest. <laughs> I'm so ever. excited. Okay. Favorite Vancouver shot series, past or present that you haven't appeared in? Intelligence. I love, one, how quickly you answered that, and two, how great that show is. Right? And I'm gonna add a three, why weren't you on that show? I mean, granted, it was canceled before its time. So far before its time. Uh, that was just two seasons that they got, right? Was it? I don't yeah. know. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It really, I thought, I mean, but I loved everybody who was in it. Yeah. But Pascal L. Hutton's character, I read for a few times, but she, I mean, there's nobody who could have played it like her. Yeah, she's very... She was great. But, I mean, everybody, Camille, and like everybody, everybody, what everybody. Yeah. They were yeah. so great. You can watch that on Netflix. I will put a link to that in the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, can I, there's yeah. another one, 15. You don't even know what that is, do you? You can look at it on 15. Amazon. Fifteen. Ryan Reynolds, Robin Ross, Todd. Um, yes, I uh, have heard of this. Yes. Yes. Uh, wow. Anuka. Uh, uh, yeah, Anuka. Yeah. 
who is uh when was that i don't want to touch my computer in 1996 or 1997 okay i was really into sci-fi at that point I was watching the X Files and the Next Generation. And, Is that even no, no? Yeah. Sorry, nineteen eighty six or eighty seven. Oh, so they so. Oh, it's a long time ago. That's that's uh, they were actually fifteen. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> that, no, no, no. Amazing. Yeah. And that's on Amazon. Yeah. That's oh, it's awesome. So fun. Okay, I I will. Yeah, you should. It's, I'm not putting that in the show notes. You already have the show notes are very long for this episode. Yeah, they, they forget it. Um. Okay. Favorite junk food. Ooh. Oh, I love, oh, I love twists. Do you know old Dutch twists? Old Dutch? They're not even, it's not a real food. What is it? It's like those white, uh, they're is called it? twists. Look it up. And then <laughs> the other bugles. <laughs> bugles. Wait, you can't get bugles in Canada. Yeah, can you can. You? Oh, I didn't I, know you could. Yeah, you can. Really? I love them. I love them too, but it was the kind of thing that I always always get when I would go to Target. In I the know, States. but you can get them here. Oh my god, I love to eat them with hummus. I love to I love to <laughs> fill the little holes. Yeah. But I so I make like um I do a cream cheese yeah. with like a roasted pepper like puree thing, and I mix it up with some herbs and some spices, some garlic, some smoked paprika, and like all of it, and I just. Yeah, and I wow, your bugles are very bougie. They're bougie (laughs) bugles. That title, this episode, bougie bugles. Yeah, I I will probably have to. Okay, one more question. One more question. Favorite question. And there's so many good ones, and they're so telling. Um, Favorite vacation destination. Europe. Yeah, just all over. Like all over. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. We were just talking at the break about gluten and how we can eat gluten when we're in Europe. Yeah. But we can't eat here. No. And I just want to go and eat gluten all over Europe. All day. Every yeah. day. Yeah. And and one euro beer. Mm. Like when you're walking around Rome and like, oh, I love Europe so much. Have you been to, have, have you spent a lot of time in Hungary? Oh, yeah. 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 I love it. So I love it. I I've only there. been to Budapest. That's the only. It's beautiful. Yeah. But it, like the Lake Balaton area is so beautiful. And there's, I mean, there are many, many places. I shot a TV series in Prague. So I, love Prague. I lived there for, I love it. Ugh. It's so beautiful. It's I had a hard time walking there, but that was when I would wear high-heeled boots everywhere. Yeah, and with there the was cobblestone like, With the cobblestones, that was challenging. <laughs> yeah. That was challenging. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Aw, that's amazing. Hey, April. Hey, Sabrina. So do you have, or when do you have, like, what the fuck, this is actually my life moments in your career? Like, I get that sitting here. I'm getting it today that I get to sit here with you and have this conversation and that this is my job. It's so fucking cool. You're the but, cutest. But, you know, when do those happen for you? Oh, uh, I get them a lot. But my beautiful husband often says to me, like, when I'm like, oh, I have another audition. Okay. And he goes, that's what success looks like, babe. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Um, <clears throat> uh, that's, I, inter- that's really interesting. Like what is what is success for you? Like that that leads to that question, you know. Like what is success, and then how has it changed, you know, since the beginning? Oh, success to me is um, uh, really what I'm living. I, I'm not going to lie because I I have no aspirations for fame. Yeah, I like to work telling really good stories in really interesting ways with 
talented people surrounding that situation. And I get to do that a lot. And mm -hmm. I am like forever grateful. I never take it for granted. I never ever take one ounce of that experience for granted because I know how fleeting it can be, how yeah. difficult it is to reach. You know, my daughter, I'm not gonna lie, more talented than I've ever been. Mm -hmm. And she's just 14. And she has opportunities like, God, honest to God, three quarters of the people who sat in this chair where I'm sitting would cut off a limb for the opportunities that she's had. Mm. Um, and to watch that come out of a child is like a phenomenal experience. Um, uh, for me to get to play in shows that are even... <laughs> <laughs> a quarter of that kind of like you know um stature or whatever it's just i have a i have a beautiful career where i get to work with talented people and i make a really good living doing what i love and yet i walk through the streets and nobody knows me so it's kind of perfect hmm. does that make sense everything you've said makes sense oh shush really does not <sighs> stop stop you stop <laughs> you stop this was so delightful please come back Oh my God, you'll never have me because you'll never be able to cut it together. But I love you for asking. You clearly have not listened to the show before. <laughs> you say you have. I have. People love it. People love spending. People have been like cooking while they've been listening. Or I do that. You know, I, like, and I listen to it at the on the treadmill at the gym. Yeah. Oh. On an I don't feel of like 15. I'm good motivation. <gasps> no, it's good. It's really good. Especially the junk food part. What's your favorite junk food? No, I like yeah. that. Twists, eh? Yeah. I'm going to bring you some next time I see you. Okay, please. Do. Well, I'll bring you bugles, actually. Let's yeah. not Bring you the good I was, stuff. I honestly, little little hummus uh, ice cream cones bugles. Those right? Would be, those are just the best. The best. Okay, April, we could do this all day. Thank you. We we will do this again. You are you are just, you are Wonder Woman, you know, stepping into no man's land. I have so much. I've always been a fan, but I have so much more admiration for you now. You know, is that is that bad to say? Is that like patronizing or something? I don't mean it to be. I'm like shrinking into myself. But Are you, you know, shut up. I I can't. No, I can't talk when I get like emotional. You are you're filling my heart. Thank you. You fill mine. Okay, let's let's just Good, let's, let's just, just bye. Yes, bye. Wait, 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 wait. We're, April, oh, yeah. if, where can our fans, you know, find you, follow you, celebrate you on social media? Do you do social media? Uh, yeah. Social meds. I'm yeah. uh, the real April Telic, I think, or April Telic official. I'm April Telic official on Insta. Okay. And I'm Telic. Insta, you sound so cool. That's my. <laughs> my daughter will listen to this and go, "You're such a loser, mom." <laughs> Oh my God! Delete, mom. Delete. Yeah, it's I'm always follow. delete. Um, or on on um, Twitter, I'm Telectra. I like that one, Telectra. Telectra, so powerful. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for <laughs> sticking through it. Well, I don't, not that. <laughs> follow, like tr trusting in April and I to give you a great conversation and that we absolutely did. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to April. I'm grateful to our listeners. Please like and subscribe. That's what Mari's always like. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners. Five stars, no less. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene. 
The Why Bear Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Mara Furminger. I'm the only one to blame. And it's produced and edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane Not Furminger Devilay for the original music. Why Bear Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut!